Hey, I'm John. And I'm Becky. And this is the We Are For Good podcast. Nonprofits are faced with more challenges to accomplish their missions and the growing pressure to do more, raise more, and be more for the causes that improve our world. We're here to learn with you from some of the best in the industry, bringing the most innovative ideas, inspirational stories, all to create an impact uprising. So welcome to the good community. We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world. So let's get started. Hey, Becky. Hey, John. Okay. There's days that you can just like probably feel us smiling, right? As we come into the conversations, right? Well, I just have to say, do you know that friend that everybody has? Like all your friends are friend with this person, but somehow you're not. Like we are finally meeting the friend of all of our friends today. And it's Sabrina. We are so excited that Sabrina Walker Hernandez is on the podcast today. We are so excited. So let me tell you a little bit about Sabrina because she has had an amazing career. She has an amazing family and it's all threaded together in this beautiful way that she shows up and serves the nonprofit sector, specifically loves on small nonprofits and giving them a path to growth and clarity of their next steps. But she's the president and CEO of Supporting World Hope which I love the name of your organization, let's be clear. And it lines up with your initials, so I'm really geeking out from a branding perspective. (laughs) Um, But, you know, Sabrina, she's a certified consultant and coach and a facilitator that, like I said, she works with small nonprofits but helps build boards, build relationships that convert into more donations. She has over 25 years of experience in nonprofit. And one of the things that I think is most incredible about her bio, she, you know, worked in one of the poorest counties in the entire United States. And, you know, there's a lot of barriers, I think, to fundraising and people just say, you know, our community can't do this. We don't have the funds here. Her story completely shows you that it's possible. She grew from $750,000 to a $2.5 million operating budget and completed a $12 million comprehensive campaign in that county. So she is here to tell small nonprofits to empower them that there is a path and just to have a friend in the journey. So Sabrina, we're so delighted to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm so excited to be here and thank you for getting the SWH. I you know it. what? You know I'm here Your for that. Your face lit up. <laughs> I did because I have to usually explain it to people. I'm like, Jonathan got the details. Oh, like I love he that pays brand. attention to it. So thank you. <laughs> you bet. So okay, Sabrina, walk us through. I shared a little tiny, tiny snapshot of your story, but give us your story. You know, what made you fall in love with this sector and really pour your life into it? Well, you know, it started out, You, know, I, I love this question because it started out with my mama, which, uh, you know, oh, she God was bless a, mamas. You, God bless mamas. Uh, she's a missionary and we grew up doing church fundraising all the time, all the time. But, you know, I was very mouthy child. So she used to tell me <laughs> as growing up, you should be a lawyer. You should be a lawyer, you know, because you got something to say about everything. And so when I went to college, I majored in poli-sci pre-law. And then I did an internship with this nonprofit called Avacy Resource Center for Housing, which I was mediating between landlords and tenants. And so I got to work with a bunch of attorneys and I said, yeah, I don't want to be one of those. Like, mm, (laughs) no offense to any attorneys out there. You know, absolutely. You know, what I learned about the law is, There is no right or wrong. There's only the law. 
Yeah. And so I Ooh. didn't really like that because to me, there's a right and a wrong. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but I fell in love with the nonprofit process mm. all over again. And so I finished a degree poli sci, which is a good degree, a liberal arts degree, because you can basically do anything. But then I got my master's in public administration and just been on that nonprofit track since then. I just, I just love helping people. I love giving back. I love, you know, supporting the community um, because if we don't support the community, then what world are we choosing to live in? And so I, I think that when you're a nonprofit professional or board member or volunteer, you're, you're literally changing the world. Mm. And so that feels good. It's a selfish motivation, but it feels good to me. So it's the most selfish for good motivation yes. of all time. And as someone who married uh, a person with a political science pre-law degree, <laughs> I can tell you that the joke in our house is that my husband makes the living and I make the difference. So is he a, is he a lawyer? He is a lawyer. I always have to preface that with. I like lawyers. Some I know, of my right? Best friends are lawyers. <laughs> yeah, you know, we all have we all have good lawyers in our life that we love, and we but every single one of them need to be able to take a lawyer joke because yeah. there's a reason there are lawyer jokes yes. out there, folks. Yes. But I I love that you're just such a beacon of hope in this space, and I and you clearly have such passion for it, and I'm already having the best time visiting with you. But I think that one of the hallmarks of what you do as an expert in our industry is around how you vision. And you do this strategic planning so well. You and John have this gift. You're the ability to come up at the 10,000 foot view and see something and kind of align those pieces. So we're going to have like a little mini strategic planning session with you today. (laughs) And so we're moving into the new year. And even if you're someone that's listening to this conversation later in the year, we just think it's great to take a step back and just think about strategy. So Sabrina, could you walk us through this like little mini strategic planning session and just set the scene for the list? listeners about where they should start? Well, I always, I love getting together with boards around strategic planning. Um, I like to start with, personally, I like to start with a survey of all your stakeholders, um, whether they are, and I really like your board, your staff, your vendors, your clients. I like to get all of that input um, and get that information and really digest it and provide a report to people so they'll know exactly where they're standing. Um, because I think sometimes people go into strategic planning and they don't take the time to prep for it. They bring their own viewpoint without re- actually getting the input of the people around them and the stakeholders around them. So starting off like that, um, and it actually saves you some time if you do it, uh, if you do that part you know, using Google Docs or using some type of survey. And I always, um, in those surveys too, I always ask, okay, which part of this, I break down the mission and say, okay, which part of your mission resonates with you? Which part do you agree with? Which part of the vision do you agree with? Which of these core values, you know, rate these, how do you agree with that? How do you see it? Are we living up to the expectation? What are some of the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats? And I like to get all of that before I go into a session. Give them, usually I give people like a 30 page report. I hope they read it. (laughs) I know they don't. Uh, So the first part of the strategic planning session is usually I go through the report with them because it's important. You know, I'm not doing it for my health. I really want them to see what what their stakeholders think of them. Um, If I have the time or not the time, if if the organization 
um, chooses to do this. I love doing in-person um, stakeholder interviews with uh, donors, like with their top donors. I love that. Um, yeah. But sometimes that does not make itself avail. So they'll do the electronic survey, but that's how I kind of set the stage. And then once we get in the room, in the room, we go through that report and there's some, there's sometimes shocked that people say, you know, you're not living up to this vision or you're not living up to this part of the mission. Um, I love the conversation around core values because <laughs> sometimes I think the core value conversation is like uh, when they came up with those core values, it was kind of like a brainstorming session and nobody really put any thought into exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I like to delve down into core values and I talk about, okay, name that ideal employee. Who is that person or persons that you would duplicate if you could? Okay. What do they bring to the table? And usually mail it down like that for the core values. So that's kind of how I do it. (laughs) That is so smart. Everything you're saying, I'm just like nodding. I'm putting my hand in my heart. You just, you get this so deeply because we just came out of a series talking about kindergarten principles. And we think listening is like the most important skill in development. And that's where you're starting here is listening to stakeholders the idea is not yours. It's all of the people involved in the mission. And I think that's just such a beautiful, perfect place to start. Um, so thank you for walking us through that. So, okay. How do you draw it out in people? Because I do think that sometimes people are afraid to talk or you get in these sessions. How do you really drive robust, deep, good conversation that, you know, leads to really transformational plans? Well, you know, it's having those hard conversations and using some of those uh, facilitation skills, you know, uh, when you notice that you have the shy one in the room who doesn't speak up or you have the one who dominates the conversation. Usually it's the CEO. I can say that because I was a CEO (laughs) and I'm like, girl, shut up. (laughs) Let them talk. Listen. I say the same thing to myself. That's what happens to us chatty Cathy's. We got to get that self-awareness to ourselves. Exactly. So, you know, pulling that out and facilitating and coming up with some nominal meeting, um, some nominal meeting activities like silent meetings where you put your thoughts on sticky notes and everybody puts their thought on sticky note and then take it up to the board and put it there and then come up with some consensus without talking. See, mm. that kills the Kills people like me because <laughs> I love to talk. <laughs> so, you know, but doing little, uh, doing that kind of thing during the strategic planning process to get everybody thoughts on the table. What I do struggle with is once I'm in the room and I'll be very honest, because Jonathan, I want to hear from you about right. this. So I get, we're in the room, we get it done, get back, type up. Here's where we're going. You know, here's where we're at. And then um, you wait for a response. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, And they drag their feet on getting that response or they don't. I have a client right now who's at the very end. I met with them in August to facilitate (laughs) their strategic plan, gave them their their first version of the document, met with them and they haven't pulled the plug. So you got to finish the strategic planning process. You know, it's good to have this skeletal, you know, but you can't, you can't jump from the, from that, from that framework. You, you have to finish it. And I think sometimes some people get into, and it's like, this is enough. We, we have it. We got the general idea about where we're going, but you really need to finish it so that you have all your performance, all your activities 
and all your goals. So you exactly know where you're going so that you don't get sidetracked by mission creep, because that is the worst thing. The that worst. You can do. Start chasing this or chasing that. And it doesn't relate to where you said you wanted to go. Yeah. I mean, I think I've experienced this inside a nonprofit, you know, working with consultants to come up with strategic plans and offline talking to them that they've said the most frustrating thing is you build this plan and then no one does it, you know, yep. but on the, on the flip side, Becky and I have worked as a consultant to help organizations step through this. And we feel the same way on this side, you know, you just, it has, it has to be involvement with the whole team because there has to be ownership. And I feel like if it feels like it's the consultant plan, if it's a Sabrina's plan, even if it's the best plan, people have to see their responsibility in it or their essentialness in executing it, you know? And so I think that the way you have collaboratively taught to walk through it together, people will have that buy-in when it rolls Mm -hmm. out. So I hope they get over that hump of accepting so we can start making it happen. I mean, I just feel like there's an empowerment component that comes from seeing your voice reflected Mm. in the plan. You know, when you see something and you know, in the strategic plan, I put that in there. That was my sticky note. That was my idea. There's something about the way that you feel loyalty and ownership to seeing it activate. And that is the thing that, you know, our little company has always firmly stood on is nonprofits. We've got to activate. It's not enough to come and learn and see or ask around. You got to do and you got to try that stuff. So I want to ask about what I think is kind of like the elephant in the room for probably most of our listeners on this topic, which is we just went through like almost two years of just this rapid response and everyone's Mm -hmm. kind of feeling the whiplash of did that old strategic plan? I mean, is there any value in that? Do we need to scrap it? Do we need to move forward with the new one. And so I would love just your feedback on how can nonprofits start to move forward with their planning, implementing these strategies while still understanding that the world is still changing around us and we need to continue to be nimble. I encourage nonprofits to build their board agenda around the strategic plan. Smart. So So that way you're constantly talking about it. Like I, I truly believe, especially if you're meeting on a monthly basis, your meeting should be about an hour and a half, but 40 minutes of that should be around those strategic topics. Um, and so if what you see and, uh, and focus on, that's what you're going to do. If you take that strategic plan and you put it on a shelf and you don't talk about it again, then that it becomes a, a part of your shelf, but it should be a living, yeah, dust catcher. It should be a living, breathing document. And so again, I say like a board agenda, I say start at mission moment, then for mission moment, it takes five minutes to do a mission moment. Um, then go into consent agenda, 20 minutes for board education, and then 40 minutes of that strategic plan. Because usually in any kind of topic should fit under those goals that you have, especially if it's three goals Everything that you do should be revolving around those goals. And you spend 40 minutes of your board meeting delving into the in, into that. And then end that board meeting with a generative question and, and depart. Uh, I think that's the best use of your board time, the best use of, um, you know, intentionally adding that strategic document into your organization's lifeline. We're taking a quick pause today to thank our sponsor, Neon One. Our friends over at Neon One provide software that connects organizations to what matters most, their people and their passions. 
With the year-end giving season here, there's a lot to learn about the results from Giving Tuesday that could help your year-end campaigns. Like, would you have guessed that over 45% of all donors were new to the organizations they choose to support? Or that 55% more of Neon One's clients participated in Giving Tuesday compared to last year? Giving Tuesday was a huge success, with over $22.2 million raised on Neon One, and end-of-year appeals are still on the horizon. Are you getting ready for the final days of 2021? Get support from other nonprofits like you by joining Neon One's Year in Giving Connections community today. Visit neonone.com slash weareforgood or follow the link in our show notes. You hear us talk often that the greatest scarcity is capturing people's attention in today's digital age. So how are you creating and sharing content for your organization that stops people in their scroll and drives engagement with your mission? Enter Cosmic, a design agency we trust to nail your impact story, build brand awareness, and inspire action. They're so much more than just a creative agency. They're your thought partner and guide through this digital age. And Cosmic's deep expertise in the social impact space helps nonprofits and social enterprises grow their digital fundraising, launch advocacy platforms, and mobilize supporters to join you. We love them because they use their expertise and creativity to reimagine a more just and equitable world. And they just happen to be super kind people too. Sound like Cosmic might be a fit for your organization? Learn more today at designbycosmic.com or follow the link in our show notes. Can we just say how brilliant the plan that I you think gave? my head just exploded. Because I'm like, if you're struggling that your board is in the wrong weeds of your organization, yes. this plan is going to get everybody redirected and refocused on what matters, yep. you know? So yep. that is so smart. Yes. I, I love I love that it helped me focus when, when I was a, a, a CEO of an organization because it's so easy. It is so easy to get sidetracked. It is so easy to put that document on the shelf and not think about it again. Um, and then if you're trying to go somewhere, then you have a retreat. And then that's when you pull out the document a year later. And it's like, well, what did we do? <laughs> you know, so you need to be talking about that continuously. I, I love that. And I, and I just think that what you're saying is just a different mindset and a way to look at how you use the board. And it's also, if you follow that model, everybody is on the exact same plan or on the exact same page every time about the strategic plan and where we are in the process. We mm-hmm. are literally moving the chess piece every single time we meet and we all have a part to play in it. Really, my mind is exploding. Really, really key. And I, I love also adding the Razzie to the strategic plan. That's the roles, the accountability, the support, and the influence. Um, (laughs) So I have a little chart. I'm really, I'm really chart oriented. And I just like to know what I'm responsible for. So I I feel like other people should know what they're responsible for. Right. Um, And so I take taking those strategic actions and saying, okay, who's responsible for it? Who is the point of contact for this uh, specific task? Um, who's accountable for it? Whose support do you need to get this done? Who, whose influence do you need to get this done? And actually, you know, using that also as the CEO to make sure that things are moving. Um, because I, if there's something there in that strategic plan and I said, oh, board member, usually, uh, let me be honest, I'm going to live in a real world here. <laughs> so usually it's the CEO who's responsible, right? But then um, the support 
board member, that's the one you need to activate around that, that activity. And so really looking at that support column and making sure that board member understands that this task, I'm not going to get this done unless you actually help me get this done. So I love a good Razzie. (laughs) <laughs> love I love that phrase. I love it too. It. <laughs> well, I mean, there's no way that you were able to raise $12 million without activating your board around fundraising, right? So talk yes. to us about how you are mobilizing. How do you get a board interested in that aspect of the organization if they're, if they're struggling? Well, if they're struggling, I think the first conversation starts off with that fundraising is not about asking for money. I think that's where a lot of people's fear comes in because they think they're going to have to ask for money. Um, When you break down the fundraising process, only 5% of the fundraising process is about asking for money. Um, I like to focus on all the other big pieces of the pie. So I like to focus on the 10% that's identifying um, donors, 10% of qualifying donors, I love personally the 60% of cultivation and building relationships. Mm -hmm. Then you get the 5% that is asking and then it's 15% thanking. Right. And so when you break for me, when I broke it down like that, I said, okay, let's, let's uh, part of our retreat. Let's see where you want to be. What are the activities that maybe fall up under identifying? What are the activities that fall up under qualifying Um, cultivation, so forth and so on. Okay. Let's board. Let's talk about who wants to do what. Where is your strength? Where do you want to lean into? You know, and I also had to do a mindset change. And I still struggle with this because I serve on a board. I I try to serve only on one fundraising board at a time. But I struggle with this, too. Sometimes we judge people by their ability to ask and bring bring that money, that monetary in. We can't do that. Out of a board of 21, I had three women who were not afraid to ask for money, right? And so the other board members in the asking process, they went with me on the face-to-face visits. They were there. They lended that credibility. The potential donor knew them because they were community face. They talked uh, the organization up. They acknowledged that they gave to the organization. Now, there's different schools of thoughts around this. So I'm going to put a pen in this one and talk about it. I feel what worked for me, 100% of my board members gave, period. No discussion. <laughs> this is, this yeah. is what it is. Yeah. You are family to the organization. Um, and therefore, by being family to this organization, you make an investment of your treasure in this organization. If you don't agree with that and you only want to do your time, then I think you would make a great volunteer, program volunteer. But to be elevated to the top governing position in this organization, you have to give your time, your talent, and your treasure. Okay. So anyway, yeah. So going going back to um, leaning into their strengths, my, one of my top fundraising board members raised over a million dollars, but she never asked for money. She was a door opener. She introduced us to the bank uh, owner. They actually flew me to Oklahoma. That's why Oklahoma is on the brain. Girl, get in here and come have lunch with us next time or get grab some coffee. Yeah, the Maybe Foundation. Oh, Oh, yes. Yes. When we were doing our capital campaign, they said no. 
And we were like, oh, no, they can't say no. So we called and we said we set up a meeting. I remember um, going through the process and they're saying, well, let's just fly up there and talk to them. And in my head, I'm thinking, okay, how are we going to pay for these flights? You know, this is unbudgeted. You know, you're going through all of that. And then I said it out loud. Okay, give me your birthday so I can book the flights and I can do all that. And they, they kind of looked at me and it was like, uh, the bank has a plane. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was the best meeting. I walked in, the, in, in there to the Maybe Foundation. And sometimes, you know, things just come across better in person. And uh, we walked out of there with a $350,000 check from the Maybe Foundation. Yeah. And, awesome. and you know, the, the bank um, president was the co-chair for our capital campaign. And then they appointed two members to our board of directors from the bank. And they've been on our organization board forever now. And they each have to raise $5,000. So times that times two times the number of years. I mean, this was a relationship started by a door opener who said, I will not ask for money. And it turned into million dollar gift. Find that role and have your board members lean into that role to, to make a long story short. That's how you get your, your board members involved in fundraising. Change your mindset. It's not just about asking for money. And if you do that 60% right, building relationships, a lot of times you don't even have to ask. People understand what you're doing. They value what you're doing. They see you as success and people want to invest in success and they will invest in that without you even asking. That's what I say. Walker Hernandez. Yes, ma'am. Where have you been all my life? (laughs) I mean, I want everybody to take your little scroll bar, go back eight minutes and listen to that again, because this is evolved thought leadership about what is going to move the sector forward. And I want to like highlight a couple things that I heard you say that were such genius drops to me. One your communication and your, I mean, constant communication with your board member and actually asking them what they feel comfortable with. We keep saying this over and over, the new wave of interfacing with our donors and our community, our corporate partners is understanding that you have something to bring to the table and you need to use your education and your expertise to make that board member feel comfortable about coming in. Two, we are talking about a new way to use board members. And we've always had the peer-to-peer and the peer-to-peer fundraising is still so powerful, but there's a lot of people who don't want to ask. And there's a lot of people who can't give at that level. And the idea that there are philanthropic influencers out there, is something that I am very geeked out about right now. And I think our board members can be those influencers. And third, I just think thinking about how we can use the people who are rabid fans. And I'm saying that about boards. I'm saying that about volunteers. I'm saying that about donors. Finding out how your rabid fans want to translate their passion is how we're going to bring them along. And you just gave so many great examples of how someone could do that comfortably. And the 60% is such a sweet spot. So bravo. Loved every bit of that. I mean, I would continue. I'm totally loving this conversation, Sabrina. And you make me want to go raise money and cultivate people. Like I'm feeling amped up just sitting here. 
I want to talk a transition just real quick because the thing that we haven't talked about yet is goal setting. And how do you set that goal setting around, you know, understanding we've talked about planning, we've talked about engaging boards. Can you share some advice with us around goal setting and what goals can our listeners put in place um, today that can actually start to do what we talked about initially, which is get activated and then start moving that needle? I think that you need to really, when it comes to goals, don't hate me for this one. I think you always should have a financial goal. I I just, I mean, as a nonprofit, you should always have a financial goal. So that one should like be almost a given because that's what you need to have your mission. And then really thinking about what is going to move the organization forward. It's no different from what we do here as far as like our consulting establishing what do you want to be next year and then what is it going to take to get there and what how does that translate who do you have to surround yourself with what is the goal to who to bring on the board it's really mapping that out and seeing that that vision or that future and then aligning those goals around where you want to be um it's how i say to get started on it. Um, And that's you as the CEO. But at some point, you have to bring in those around you, um, your board, um, your staff, because it's not just you who can get those goals done, and they have to be on board with those goals. So that was one of the things I say, if they ask you, what is your weakness in, uh, in, you know, in an interview, that's one of my things, I'm an activator. So sometimes I will leave the people behind me in the dust, Right. I already got my goals. I'm moving forward. Y'all can catch up if you want to. Um, You can't do that. And I had to learn to like slow it down, get the people around you involved in this. Yes, this is what you want to do. But they also need to one, you need to communicate with them. Right. You need to get their buy in. You need to get their perspective because sometimes they'll bring a whole different perspective to the table. And you're like, yeah, I didn't think about that. Mm. Um, So that's the way I I would say working and working with goals would be. I mean, everything I keep thinking of your analogy of not putting it on the shelf, you know, of the strategic plan. And I'm like, it's just active. It's got to be part of just how you show up and how you talk with your team. It's just got to be this present thing if you really want to move the needle. Yeah, so I served on this board for this new organization, and we did our strategic plan last year. Took us three days, three days. We really put the time in it, but now it's one of the hardest things to do is to keep that document alive. In January, it's going to be very interesting because we're going to have our one-year review, and so we're going to revisit and see which ones we actually accomplished, and well, not the necessarily the goals which objectives and the strategies did we accomplish? It's more about those strategies. Um, Which strategies did we accomplish and which one were we a little bit too ambitious with? I think that's probably the piece that a lot of organizations miss. You know, like I said, it just sits there and you really don't talk about are we accomplishing this? Because even if you're talking about it in your monthly meetings, right, there's still some things that you're just not going to get to. Yeah. It's you're just not. And it's OK. It is OK. Uh, trust me, you've gotten further than you ever would have gotten with without having a plan. You know what I'm saying? A plan gets you moving forward. So, well, you know, we fully believe in the power of philanthropy. Obviously, it is a thread of your journey. Is there a story, a moment in philanthropy that stuck with you after working with so many interesting missions over the years? 
Yes, there is. And it's, it's one where I, I got told no. <sighs> Ooh, I can't wait. I know. <laughs> and, and then, you know, I, I should have saw it coming. But I remember setting up a meeting with a donor and he was actually a very good donor of ours. He was actually um, the one of the co-chairs for our capital campaign. And I thought this year I'm going to try something different. I'm going to take a, a client with me on this visit. There's no way. They can say no with a client sitting here, right? That's That was my <laughs> thought, right? Got this great relationship. I should have known better. But yeah, he said no. I asked him afterwards and he actually thought it was very manipulative to bring the client with me. And I was like, okay, I can see it. I can, I can see it from that point of view. Um, thank you. Learning opportunity in advance. I will get permission to bring a client along. Um, so that the donor is more prepared for that. But I thought that was a great learning moment for me and a good story because it's always a discovery process with donors. And if you're going to bring someone with you, always take two people. And if it's not going to be you and a board member, it's going to be you and a client, make sure the donor knows (laughs) because they might take offense to it. It's what I'm saying. Does that tell you everything you need to know about Sabrina, that the philanthropic story she shared was one of her, like what you said, this is such a humble thing. It was like of a failure and something Mm -hmm. you learned from it. It really speaks to your humility. And you know what? Every single gift officer out there, you know, myself included, has stories of solicitation failures. And it's like, I am somebody who really enjoys when somebody tells me, you misstepped right here. And it's, and I love a straight shooter. And Mm -hmm. we can all learn something. Even the greatest gift officers can learn something about how to show up for someone, making them feel like a respected, trusted, dignified individual. So that was an awesome story. Thanks for sharing. You know that we finish all of our conversations out by sharing, having our guests share a one good thing. What's a one good thing that you would share with our community today, Sabrina? Well, you know, it's the end of the year. (laughs) So the one good thing I am going to share is just encouragement to the community. This is your time. Uh, I know, you know, I struggled with the end of the year, um, just on an emotional level. Um, I don't know, winter, maybe fall or whatever you want to call it. You know, my energy always went down and it is down. This is me down right now. Um, It goes down during this year and it was hard for me to activate for end of the year. And so I'm just going to encourage you to hang in there. You can do this. Send those emails, send those texts, send you follow the plan, post the social media, just keep doing it. Even if this is not your year, um, next year, you build on it. It's called, you know, it's building relationships. It's stacking it up, stacking it up, keep stacking it up. It's going to be my message to you. Get in there, do it each year. It'll get better but just get activated. Okay. Who doesn't feel like so boosted? You have just given us so much today. Well, Sabrina, I know you show up in lots of ways, serving your clients and just the community, maybe people that you'll never meet in a lot of different ways. Will you kind of tell our listeners how to find you online, how to connect with all the good stuff you're putting out in the world? You know, they say only do one call to action, right? Because then people (laughs) get confused. So this is what I'm going to say. If you go to my website at www.supportingworldhope, that will give you access to all of my social media, which I'm very active on Facebook and LinkedIn. 
I try y'all with Instagram. I'm too old for Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I don't understand it. Go to my website and you can find me, you know, my YouTube channel. You can set up a meeting with me all via my website. And it's www.supportingworldhope.com. Well, go check that out. I want to give one more plug because Sabrina does have an amazing Facebook group and there's over 2000 nonprofit professionals in there. You know, we got a community, but we don't think our community is the only community. There's so many vibrant Mm -hmm. communities. So if you're looking for a space to connect with like-minded professionals, that's a space. You can always come over to the, we are for good community. The Mm -hmm. thing is we just want you in community. We want you lifting your questions. We want you lifting what's you know, stymieing you and stalling you, we want to get you up and activated. So go gather somewhere and go check out Sabrina's Facebook group too, which I'm going to be joining by the way. Yeah. Good. (laughs) Yeah. And that one, thank you for the segue. That one is nonprofit professionals exchange. Okay. Thank you. We just feel so buoyed and so grateful for this conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Becky. I've had so, and Julie, I know you're off camera, um, but I've had (laughs) such a great time here. I love conversating with like-minded folk. It just makes you feel good. So thank you so much. We're adopting you forever into (laughs) our family. You are just a wonderful light and just appreciate everything you said today. Call me if you need me. That's what I always say. Call me if you need me. (laughs) We're calling. Hey friends, thanks so much for being here. Did you know we create a landing page for each podcast episode with helpful links, freebies, and even shareable graphics? Be sure to check it out at the link in this episode's description. You probably hear it in our voices, but we love connecting you with the most innovative people to help you achieve more for your mission than ever before. We'd love for you to join our good community. It's free, and you can think of it as the after party to each podcast episode. You can sign up today at weareforgood.com backslash hello. One more thing, if you loved what you heard today, would you mind leaving us a podcast rating and review? It means the world to us and your support helps more people find our community. Thanks, friends. I'm our producer, Julie Comfer, and our theme song is Sunray by Remy Borsboom. Rabbit fans have always powered the We Are For Good podcast, but now Rabbit fans can get even more goodness and access by joining Good Friends. It's our listener support community for the We Are For Good podcast. Good Friends comes with perks, exclusive episodes with John and I, including The Good Brief, our new monthly cliff notes of the greatest takeaways and lessons learned from that month, and exclusive AMA episodes where we answer your burning questions and tap our community of experts. Join now or learn more at weareforgood.com backslash friends. We can't wait to see you inside. That's weareforgood.com slash friends.